life can throw you some curves. And it's not just the things that you see coming, but sometimes it's the things that you didn't see coming that hit you out of nowhere, that set you back in such a way that it seems like you can't get over. And you've reached your limit. And your bandwidth is full. You already said, I can't take another thing. And then out of nowhere, here comes something you didn't see coming, and you're in it. And in your homes, somewhere in your heart, these words are echoing. Am I going to make it? When you get into a tight spot, and everything goes against you until it seems that you cannot hold on for a minute longer, never give up then, for that is just the place and time that the tide will turn. There are times when your energy feels so depleted that you want to give up that it looks just totally impossible. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, don't give up then. That's when you've got to fall forward, when life is kicking dirt in your face. Don't give up then. That's when most people turn back. As long as you're alive, there is hope. You're still alive. You're still here. It's never too late. That it's never too dark. And we can always turn things around. There's going to be bad days. There's going to be dark days. But you got to embrace it because that pain is what makes you stronger. Pain is the high cost of growth. If you want to grow up, you want to be mature, there is no way to do it without pain. You can't grow up on easy street. And the very thing that discourages you is the very thing that develops you. No one's coming to save you. No one's coming to save you. The only person that's going to make a drastic change in your life, whether that's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, is the only person that is going to dig you out of your hole too. You, you have to do it for you. You've got to become courageous to stand up within yourself, to face it and step forward. We all get a taste of that victim mentality, the why me? You can become the victim of the situation or the victor of the situation. You need to be the master of your emotions, not let them affect you. You are the dictator. You are the captain of your boat, whether you let things affect you in a negative way or a positive way. I don't lose. I only win or learn. In life, there's only winning or learning. All your problems become gifts once you learn from them. And some of you have allowed adversity to make you stop. And I'm telling you right now, don't give up. I'm telling you right now, don't give in. Get through it. Execute, execute, execute. In the midst of adversity, execute. You're going to work through this. You're going to get up. You're going to get dressed. You're going to get out. And you're going to do what you've been called to do. You're going to be what you called to be. And you're going to prove that everybody that tried to break you, everybody that tried to kill your dream, you're going to prove all of them wrong. And if you can work through your pain, I'm guaranteeing you, on the other side is a reward. Pain is not permanent. Pain is temporary. Say this with me, I can. I can. Say this with me like you mean it, I can. I can. You know, the scripture says this, I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength, amen? It's not too late for the rebel Jonah. Maybe this morning you can relate to the rebel Jonah. As I've been uh, going through this series uh, called It's Not Too Late, I hope that today as we talk about Jonah, 
that this story, I did a series way back that, about Jonah, but I hope that it doesn't become another children's story, another ch- children's message, because it is expressed over and over and over. But I know that it's important for each and every one of us. It's never too late. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you've been running. I don't know if you've been been in place. These pins are driving me crazy because I have obsessive compulsive disorder. I don't know how they ended up up here, but thank you so much. They'll distract me during my message and I need to get the word out. Amen. So I said to, to Ryan, I guess I really don't have that big of OCD because they would have been moved at uh, discipleship class. But hey, uh, and I just looked down and saw them again and I said, those pins have got to get out of here. So, uh, but with that being said, would you please take your Bible and turn with me to Jonah chapter one, Jonah chapter one, as we talk about the rebel, the rebel Jonah. Today, I'm going to be reading out of, uh, the new living translation. I will also be referring to the King James version. You guys know, I love the King James, and yet I will be reading this narrative, uh, from the book of Jonah, from the New Living Translation. Jonah runs from the Lord, and here's what we see here. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish, He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by selling to Tarshish. Now, if you have your Bible, I want you to put, and maybe even circle, escape from the Lord. Now, I'm going to stop right there because I'm just going to kind of reference over here to the King James Version where it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now watch this. I love the visual right out of the, right out of the gate. We start to see here, it says... For their wickedness has come before me. Now, here's what's interesting. If you knew where he was going, he was supposed to be going northeast, but yet he went west. So he was going away from it. So it says here he went away from the presence, highlight from, and then maybe circle or or circle around that presence of the Lord. Now watch, and it says he went down to Joppa. And then it says, and then after he paid the ferry, he went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Wow, right there's an amazing message. Watch the visual. This is a great picture because I believe that God was wanting us to see something. He went down and he went away from where? From the, say that again, from the presence of the Lord. This morning... Maybe that's where you've been. You've run so far away that you've gone down and you've gone away from the presence of the Lord. So I believe that when we see in the book of Jonah, we're starting to watch this unfold right out of the gate. 
Where is his heart? He is a prophet. He's called of God. We spoke uh, today as uh, if you've never been to a discipleship class, 9.30 a.m. is the discipleship class. We have it for everybody of all ages. Men meet here in the sanctuary. Women meet in the fellowship hall. And kids are all over the place. But here's, here's reality. And uh, I know you guys would appreciate that. But, uh, but when, you have, when you have a discipleship class that's teaching on being an armor bearer, we talked about, listen, you have to be prayed up, stayed up, played up. You have to be in it to win it. That's living a life in Christ. So as your pastor, I need you to pray for me. I'm asking you to please pray for me. Pull down strongholds of lust. Pull down strongholds of temptation, of material focus, of, of anything that's out there. You pray for your pastor. It said here that Jonah was a prophet. And I'll get into that here in a little bit. But here he was. He was a preacher. But it starts right in the very beginning. He went away. He turned his back. And he went down. That is called backslidden. That's what it is. So he was in a backslidden state. Where's your relationship with Jesus Christ? Where are you at in your relationship with right now? Would you say, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the least, 10 being the greatest, yes, my relationship is spot on. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just because you're here to say, through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you, it is well, it is well with my soul. No, because you live it out. Because it says Jesus is the anchor of my soul, found in Hebrews. Because you're anchored in Him. See, Jonah was not so anchored in Him. Are you anchored? And so this morning, when we, when we go through this message, I hope that you'll say, yes, I'm surrendered, separated, and sold out for my Savior. Amen. Hey, that's kind of a message. It wasn't even in there. I need those pens back. Just getting it. Just think about it. Are we sold out for Him? And yet Jonah wasn't. So it says here in verse 3, But Jonah got up and went into the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by selling to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for the lives, the desperate sailors shouted for their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. Isn't this, isn't this amazing? Sound asleep. Because that's exactly what Satan does to you. He'll put you to sleep. You don't even know you're so deep in sin. You don't even have an inkling of what you're going through until you realize, is it too late for me? Well, listen, church, it's not too late. There's always a second chance. For by grace are we saved. It's the grace of God that gives us those second chances. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why is this awful storm come down on us? 
they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. Then in verse 10, it says the sailors were terrified when they heard this. For he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. At least he admitted it. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, What should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonas said. Throw me overboard and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sellers rode even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord Jonah's God, Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. The number three, harmony, new life. It's the number in the Bible that's called complete. Think about this, the number three. Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. How many times? Three times. Three times God called the prophet Samuel. Jesus repeats the phrase, feed my sheep to Peter, three times. And Jesus rose after three days. The Magi present three gifts. And God is three in one, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you start to see the correlation here? So we start to see that God is allowing Jesus to to come forward even in this Story that is not fictional, but is fact. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you for this word. Help me to express it, communicate it. Hide me behind the cross, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your word. God, I need you to communicate a spirit of surrender, yet a spirit of revival. Bless your people. Speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Most of us have heard of Jonah since we were children through the Bible stories being taught either by our what? Father or mothers or by Sunday school teachers. And there are many people who believe that Jonah is nothing more than just a fictitious character that makes for such a great entertaining story for children. However, as I just said, Jonah is real. He's a real person. He's the first mentioned in the book. He was first mentioned in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 14, verse 25. It wasn't long after the days of the prophets Elijah and Elisha that Jonah came upon the scene in northern Israel during the days when Jeroboam, the wicked king, was present. And we notice right off the gate, I'm going I'm to hit you guys with some bullet points today, like bam, 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 bam. Just follow with me because I have quite a few. But I know we'll follow through and we'll get right to the, to the very end of the message today. But number one, the calling and assignment from the Lord was truly an honor. You see, Jonah had a calling 
and an assignment. And it says in verses 1 and 2, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness is come before me. The entire book of Jonah deals with how we respond to the call of God. I want to begin this morning by saying to all of us, it is a high honor and blessing to be chosen and called by God to do anything we can for Him. Oftentimes, people will argue, I cannot do anything. The Lord doesn't ask us to do anything we're not able to do. Would you repeat that for me, Pastor? Certainly. The Lord doesn't ask us to do anything that we are not able to do. So rather than going about trying to excuse ourselves and trying to find a way we should be going about it with this can-do attitude. I'm not the hottest item on the planet Earth, but with the Lord's anointing, I'll do the best I can for God. I'm going to have a can-do attitude. Can you take a little bit of this ringing off, if you would, please? Thank you. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, I can do what? All things. things. Through Christ. Not on our own means. Through Christ that gives me strength. A pastor used to carry a sign with him from convention to convention as he boosted the work of the Lord. And here's what he would always hold up. And I, I thought about wearing it up here today, but I figured it might be too much of a distraction. A work for everyone and everyone a worker. A work for everyone and everyone a worker. Jesus told us that rather than being concerned with what we have laid up on earth, such as material and monetary things, we should strive to lay up in heaven ahead of us treasures that cannot be taken away from us. The only way we can lay up treasures in heaven which will be waiting for us is to do what? To be doers and not just hearers of the word. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 20 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moths, rust, thieves will break in, things will decay. But it says, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where there's value. But I like what it says in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there is where your heart will be also. Where's your heart today? Where's your heart today? Today would be an excellent time for us to ask ourselves seriously, what am I doing for God? What am I doing for God? As little as giving a thirsty person a cup of water in the name of the Lord will bring about the blessings and the anointing of God into our lives. Being faithful to God is the best way I know for God to bless our lives. It's as simple as this. How you doing? Good to see you. Hi, friend. Good to see you. Jesus is the anchor. Would you believe that? Amen, because your shirt says it. All right, awesome. Back when I was younger, it's funny because uh, I always purposed before I got up. I was 15 years old and started leading music in the church. And I always thought, you know, I want to have just a sweet spirit. And I, don't, I didn't want anybody to ever think that I was better than they were. Or, oh, look at that little pencil head, bushy eyebrow, bushy hair, big glasses. I mean, come on, we're, we're talking 80s, all right? They were like windshields back then. Getting up there. Yeah, uh, uh, watch it, sister. 
And I have pictures if you don't believe it. And uh, so back then I would go through the church and I didn't realize just how important our role was. But it's so important just to tell somebody, I love you. So this morning I decided to, you know, it was about 25 minutes after and I went back to my prayer stall. That's the back stall of the bathroom. Me and St. John, you guys have heard me say that. And uh, so as I was back there, because, you know, everybody gathers in in the church office, but I'm going to have my own church office again. But that's all right, because I don't really care. And uh, I love this property. I love this church. I love this community. I love the sunshine. I love the woods. I love the groundhogs, even though they're going to die. And that's what I'm leading up to. Even though we have raccoons and deer and all kinds of stuff on the property, I love being here. But as I was in my prayer stall this morning, you know what I heard? I heard people fellowshipping. I heard people encouraging one another. And you know what that is? That's investing into the life of somebody else. That's pouring into that person, understanding their worth and their value. I like what Randy the Trapper has to say. So a couple days ago we were here and uh, me, Roger, Dolores, and Becky were here getting some things set up for, for May's uh, memorial gathering as, as people were coming back after the funeral home and I went out back and I smelled a stench and praise God one less groundhog on the property tearing up our foundation and so I called Randy the trapper up and Randy the trapper showed up here and uh, so I and I need to tell all of you this but I said what's all this stuff over here oh he goes oh that's just coyote poop I said oh he goes, yeah, I told you there's a couple of them that were spotted over here at the Apostolic Church on the other side of the woods. And he said, so we're doing our best. Last year we caught, I think, a couple of them. But, you know, they, they brought him in. They didn't realize that they would populate like they are. But, um, but it was really cool because I love what he said. Here's what he said. He understood his assignment. And I always tell him every time I see him, thank God for you. He even has a skunk here. He likes skunks. I see a skunk. Ask Matt Black. We were out one night cleaning, and I looked at him, and I said, is that a skunk? He goes, yes, it's a skunk, Pastor. I said, I'm backing this rig up right now. We're out of here. I'm nowhere around a skunk. I was sprayed when I was 13. No, thank you, never again, Lord willing. We backed that truck out of there, didn't we, Matt? He knew it. He's like, oh, isn't it beautiful? I said, yeah, beautiful from about a mile away from me. But Randy will come here. He'll pick up those skunk. And here's what he told Roger and I. He said, you know, I love what I do. He said, I'm retired in law enforcement. And he said, that's, you know, that was a whole other time in my life. But, you know, I've been trapping for over 20 years. I mean, he's trapped raccoons and possums and skunks and squirrels. And, I mean, anything you can think of, if somebody calls and says, we have an issue, he'll come and trap it for you and get him off your property. We do have a problem, you know, with the groundhogs. They think it's Chicago underneath the church, and we're really trying to control this subway, you know, that has been created here because it's hurting the foundation of the property. But uh, it was great when I saw it out there, and then he started to explain to me what was going on, why the back end of the groundhog was, you know, a little bit tore up. And, And he was talking about the coyotes, but he said, you know, I love what I do. I said, why do you love what you do? He said, because just before I came here, There's a lady who is in her 80s. She's called me for over 20 years. 
and I've been trapping on her property because she lives in woods. And he said, you know what, Pastor? I said, what? He goes, it isn't always about the money. That, was a, that has been a ministry for me to help her. And I looked at him. I said, wow. He said, don't we all have an assignment? Don't we all have a calling? It's not always about the money. It's not always. Sometimes it is about our time and our talent. And that's what I saw here. Jonah starts to do what? He starts to accept his calling and his assignment, but with the wrong spirit. Oh, God's going to get him. Watch what starts to... So God instructs Jonah, get up and go to Nineveh and preach to them, saying, God has seen your wickedness, and unless you repent within 40 days, God will destroy this place. So it moves us into point number two. Jonah had free will. Jonah's free will decision. Jonah didn't have free will, church. Not, no, red light. God gave him a commandment. Remember me starting off by saying he was a prophet? God called him. His life wasn't his own. And it says here in verse 3, But Jonah rose up to flee, there it is again, from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with him unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The phrase, you can run, but you cannot hide. is never any more true than when you're referring to someone who's trying to run from the Lord. There is no hiding from God. Amen? Amen. Never, never should we run from God. Nineveh was to the northeast. Jonah went to Tarshish, which again, I told you, was from the far west. But he was in total rebellion. A prophet, a man of God. What? A total rebellion? How is that possible? Jonah goes down into a seaport town called Joppa, and there he finds a commercial ship headed for Tarshish, and he pays them a fare to allow him to sail with them to this God-forsaken place. We don't have to be a prophet to try to run from what God is trying to get us to do. We're not angels or spiritual robots who are forced to do the will of the Lord. We have the freedom of choice. We can choose to say yes or no. However, listen, it's going to cost us something when we decide to rebel against our Lord. And I think that's what we're trying to see here. We're about to discover that rebellion will take you farther than you want to go and will cost you more than you wanted to pay. Rebellion will take you farther than you want to go and will cost you more than you wanted to pay. What have you been running from? What have you been running from? Maybe what have you been running to? Three, God responds to Jonah's decision. God responds to Jonah's decision. In verse four here it says, But the Lord sent a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken, was being tossed. Jonah made his decision, then God made his decision. Jonah said, God, I'm running. God said, Jonah, I'm hurling a great storm your way. We tend to think when storms come our way that they are being sent by the enemy, the devil. But listen, but I'm persuaded to believe that when we are disobedient to the will of God, that many times God sends a storm to get our attention, to get us back on track again. Interesting, isn't it? God will send a storm. 
Listen, if you want breakthrough, maybe you need broken. Sometimes you have to go through this broken stage in your life to have a major breakthrough with Jesus. The terrible storm could very well be our greatest blessing in the long run. Number four, others are affected by our rebellion and disobedience. Watch how this plays out. Others are always affected by our rebellion and disobedience. It says, Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man into his God and cast forth wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it up, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship. And there he lay. He was fast asleep so that the shipmaster came to him and said to him, what, what are you doing sleeping? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And he said everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell upon Jonah. The storm was a different kind of storm. A spiritual storm. Listen, somebody was responsible for this storm. And somebody was responsible for the innocent people who were suffering. The devil wants to bring down all he can with the rebellious. One rebellious person can cause a whole lot of grief and suffering. So they cast lots. And the lot fell upon Jonah. Jonah, you are the blame. You see, many of us will... Maybe if you've gone through any type of hurt habit or hang up, maybe you've gone through addiction, you think that this one last hit or this issue that you're going through will never affect anybody because you see, you're by yourself. I mean, you, you might be in your room and you might be drinking yourself to a place that you may never wake up from because you might end up getting alcohol poisoning. Maybe it'll be the last hit that you'll ever have. But it will affect somebody. It'll affect your mom. It'll affect your dad. It'll affect your brother and sister. It'll affect your family, your friends, your associates, your children. It affects everybody. And when we rebel from what God wants for us, and disobedience starts to take place in our life, you see, that's what Jonah was doing. He was trying to get away from being obedient. I'm going to ask you this. What have you been running from? How far down have you gone? Where are you at in your walk? We realize then it's confession time. It's confession time. And in Jonah verses 8 through 11, they said, them. Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And where did you come from? What's your nationality? And of what people are you? Who are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. And back then, it was actually, uh, the Jewish people, it was, it was separated. So the king came in and he took over part of the city and they knew what was happening. And, and uh, the reason why it was called the Nineveh, Nineveh was much like Sodom and Gomorrah. People had lost their way. And yet he had a great message to share. Isn't it amazing that we don't understand, we cannot see how God is working on our behalf 
Sometimes we cannot feel it, but we know that he's the way maker, the miracle worker. He's the promise keeper. He's light in the darkness. He's our God. That's who he is. What have you so stupidly done that your God is after you? We can try everything there is to try, but the storm won't cease until we realize that it is happening because of our own disobedience to the Lord. So he says this in in number 6, throw me into the sea. And in verse 12 he said, take me up, cast me forth into the sea so that the sea shall be calm and there will be peace. Jonah was willing to commit suicide than do the will of God and go to Nineveh. Talk about stubborn rebellion. There are many people who know their rebellion is the cause of their mess they're in, but still won't do right. They know what they're doing, but still won't do right. Listen to me, church. God loves you. You are of value to Him. You're of value to other people. I'm here to tell you, you're a victor. You're not a victim. You're a winner. You're not a whiner. You're a champion. Because we serve an awesome champion, the champion of love, Jesus Christ. It gets worse before it gets better. And now it gets worse before it gets better. We're not in the will of God. It can get worse if we don't surrender. Listen to what I'm saying. We're not in the center of God's will. When we're not in the will of God, it can get worse if we don't surrender to it. In verse 15 of Jonah, so they took Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. We don't need to be in the company of those rebelling against God. Verse 17, it says, And the Lord had prepared, appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. But something came to me last night, and I want you to listen. God didn't create a great fish. God prepared. God prepared and or appointed a great fish to come and swallow up Jonah. There's a rebellious prophet over there about to drown, and I need you to go pick him up. He's the taxi cab. He was the Uber. The great fish wasn't sent by divine appointment, not by chance or by accident. Because God loves him. God loves him. I know that firsthand. Listen, if I would have said, God, this is impossible, and just gave up, we wouldn't be sitting in this building. We wouldn't even exist. But we have to live our life by faith. Jonah says, well, point number eight, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to put us back into the will of God. Do you really want to release all things unto God? And will you release all things unto God? I mean, God knows exactly what it will take. Are we willing to trust God's divine wisdom? Sometimes we have to be brought way down before we and others will look up. Sometimes we have to be brought way down before we and others will look up. David testified and said, The Lord delivereth him out of a horrible pit. So now Jonah begins to pray. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1, that Jonah prayed unto the Lord as God out of the fish's belt. 
fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and you heard my voice. Jonah begins to describe what it, what it was like inside the fish, lying in the belly of a whale. Water with seaweed wrapped around his head. That was one more dark, wet, slimy, stinky, rutting gut. Ugh. You know the sad thing about it all? It was Jonah's fault. It was all of Jonah's fault. Sometimes we get into a place where we don't realize, I put myself here. I put myself here. In Proverbs thirteen fifteen, it says, The way of the transgressor is hard. Am I the only one in this room that has not always taken the right path? Am I the only one in this room that might have veered, maybe took a curve, and went the other direction? We've all been there. And we've stopped and said, why? You know what I find interesting? I find it interesting how many people will shake their fist to God and say, I'm angry. I'm angry because, God, you took my loved one. I'm angry because, God, she had more life in her. He had more life in him. Why would you take my son? Why would you take my daughter? Death is inevitable. It's unavoidable. We all have an appointment. The Bible says it's appointed and a man wants to die. Death is going to happen. God gives us life. But what's important, it's the dash between the dates that make a difference in our life. Jonah knew his calling. He knew what it took. And it's never too late. Listen, God's put you in this place right now, rather minor to some or major to others. But it's time for you to make a decision at this crossroads. No matter if it's in your relationship, no matter if it's in the workplace, no matter if it's in the church, no matter what, where, wherever it's at, you have to say, God, deliver me, guide me, direct me, I trust in you. So then Jonas repents. And here's what he said. Jonah begins to say, I surrender to the will of God. I surrender to the will of God. Here he was in the belly of the well, and he probably thought to himself, this is a little bit too late now. Have, did anybody see just a couple days ago the gentleman that got swallowed by the whale? Has anybody seen that? Am I the only one in here? Okay, good. I'm glad that you are on social media. Plug into New Hope Talmadge at any time. And we'd like you to... <laughs> and you'll see some great positive news. Uh, but the man said this. I was... He's, he's a deep sea diver. He scuba dives. And he said, as he was under the water, it became very black. And then he felt something. But at the time that he felt something, his first thought was this, God, don't let me die. I watched it on the news. Don't let me die. I have kids. I have a wife. And it was right after that 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 well belched him up. Burped him right up there. He said, next thing I know, I was flirting. Fl flirting. I was floating... <laughs> He was flirting with death, wasn't he? Uh, you flirt with death every time you go into the ocean. Sorry, buddy, but you're a little smaller than the guy that's supposed to live there. Anybody steps in my house that's not welcomed, there might be another problem, right? We all have to understand the whale. 
So let's have some sympathy here. But he said, next thing I knew, it was light out and I was floating. God answered prayer. But here's what he did. I don't know where his journey's at. And my thought was this. When he surrendered, when he surrendered at that moment, what did he surrender to? Maybe he was agnostic. Maybe he was atheist. Maybe he often wondered, who is God? Where is God? What is God to me? And God put him in this position to change him. The first step of deliverance we see in chapter 2, verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee, and in thy holy temple. But I will sacrifice unto you the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Lord, I will keep my vow. Lord, I will go to Nineveh. And it wasn't too late. Number 10 is, it wasn't too late. In verse 10 it says, The Lord spoke unto the fish, and the fish vomited out Jonah. Now first of all, Jonah isn't looking too good right now. He looks like he's vomited up, and I don't know what fish vomit really looks like, but I'm sure it's not very pretty. But the interesting thing here is where he was vomited up, he vomited up again onto dry land. Watch this. Now, the last time we checked, Jonah was in the midst of the sea, but he gets vomited up on dry land. So while Jonah is praying to the Lord, the fish is taking Jonah somewhere from the middle of the sea to dry land. But the dry land he's taken to isn't Nineveh. That's what I found interesting. It isn't Nineveh. It's Joppa. Joppa is where Jonah got on the boat and paid the fare to run from the will of God, right? You remember me saying that? So if the fish is taking him back to dry land, then he's taking him back to his point of disobedience. Once again, Jonah has to decide which way he's going to go. So Jonah is right now, as the King James says, he's betwixt. He's at a crossroads. Every time I say that word betwixt, it just kind of reminds me of a candy bar. Twix. So he's, he's at a crossroads in his life. But the God of second chances, the God of grace, gives him this opportunity. Here's what he says. Are you going to buy another ticket to Tarshish? Or have you reconsidered some things, my prophet? God doesn't change his mind. God doesn't change his mind. And here's what it says. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh the great city, and preach unto the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah rose and went up to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days. There it is again. Three days journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Get your heart right. Get your heart right. The Lord spoke unto Jonah the second time. Now that's good news, not just for Jonah, but also for you and for me. But the Lord doesn't change his mind just because we act like a spoiled child and throw a temper tantrum. God's orders were the same. God's word the second time wasn't any different than it was the first time. Jonah had to change his rebellion because God doesn't negotiate. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? He had to change his rebellion because God doesn't negotiate. And we see this. My last point. Jonah's message. Jonah arrives in Nineveh and he goes around crying out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. Now that is good news and yet it's bad news. The good news is that Nineveh has forty days to reverse it. Thank God that when we repent, God reverses his judgment upon us. And thank God for second chances. But in closing, I want to say this. Repentance is giving God the opportunity to reverse his decision. Repentance is giving God the opportunity to reverse his decision. So in verse 5, so the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed and fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne and he laid his robe from him and he covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his first anger? Oh, God, help us to not perish. That was unbelievable. This was a wicked city filled with violence. They were both wicked and yet violent. This is, you know, this is the only time in the Bible and probably in human history where a whole city gets saved at the same time. And this is the greatest revival in human history. The people repent The king repents. Even animals repented. They wanted God to know they were serious and all of this was what Jonah was running from. It was the greatest revival ever. You see, our own rebellion against God hinders great moves of God in our own lives and in our own families. Listen, let let me say that again. Our own Rebellion against God hinders great moves of God in our own lives and families. We experience the storms of Tarshish because we don't want to go to Nineveh. But here are the keys to revival. And here's what we need for revival. Listen, church. Jonah finally was obedient. God's people must be obedient. Obey the Lord. Number two, when the word was preached, the people believed. When the word was preached, the people believed. And the people repented. You see, the people repented. I was involved in a ministry that I believe that I was called to. I met Leslie Youngs at Don Joseph Toyota. And I know that this is as bizarre as as it might seem to you. This is how God works all things out. But that day, I just called up there. And I said, hi, my name is Todd, and we own a janitorial custodial company. And uh, I had heard from somebody, I don't know, but it was that time that I had heard that they were accepting a bid or something like that. And so I called her. She goes, this is interesting because we're right on the cusp of making a decision. I said, well, I'd like to have the opportunity to pop in. And for many of you that may not know, we own a janitorial custodial company. And uh, 
So as I went up there, I met Leslie. Leslie's sitting right back there in front of my wife. And uh, <laughs> she was the controller of, of Don Joseph Toyota in Stowe. And uh, we became great friends. So she said to me one day, so you're, you're in the ministry, are you a pastor or something? I said, yes, I've been a minister of music and youth pastor for the last 17 years. And she's like, well, our church is looking for an assistant pastor and uh, a youth pastor. And what do you think about it? I said, well, I'll pray about it. And, you know, we'll come and visit. And she invited us to church and we went and, you know, we went before the board and all that stuff that has to take place, you know, all the legalities of every church. And, uh. We ended up going to that church. Well, unfortunate things started to take place. And I'm telling you this, that all along God was saying, Now, Todd, you know you've surrendered. Saved at 9, baptized at 13, called to preach at 15. I knew I was called. I surrendered. I remember that time in Indiana. I heard that preacher. You guys have heard the story. I heard God call me. It wasn't, remember, it's not too late. But for the rebel Todd who said, oh, it's so much easier. And I could just be a minister of music. I could just be a youth pastor. Man, this is so easy. You mean to tell me I'm going to have to answer some of those hard theological questions when people come to me? I'm not going to be put under scrutiny. I'm not going to be judged. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Because I was going down and I was going away from. You see the picture? Because I kept saying I. Well, it was until I received a letter that says I was suspended. kind of humbling to stand up here and tell you all that and I don't need to get into this story and it, it was ludicrous it was ridiculous but I've learned some things over the last several years that God changed the story he put my wife and I in a place where we fell on our knees he put us in a place where I had nowhere else to go and one of the deacons wives called me I was doing carpets in downtown Ravenna and she called and she said, oh, here they go, meeting number 432. I just wanted to let you know, just be in prayer, you know, righteousness will prevail. And it has, and God's shown himself real. Because this ministry has been around for 16 years. Because I finally surrendered. But it was at that time that I'll never forget, I, I was cleaning the carpets and I just stopped and I put my face in the carpet like this and I said, oh God, help me, forgive me, all right, here I am. I surrender. I'll do whatever you want for my life. And I just remember the time that I was there and I was weeping. And I'm just saying, God, I've been running from you. Man, it stinks down here. Man, this guy's trying to get my reputation and everything. He said, no, that guy isn't. You did it to yourself. I said, now I'm going to tell you this again. Can we keep talking? That's not what I said. But I kind of felt it. Because I knew where my calling was at. I knew what God did in my life. And I knew... That I needed to make some changes in my life. And God said, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to start a church. I said, you want me to do what? And this is out of control. This is crazy. Well, that same lady that I met at Don Joseph Toyota, she comes to me and Debbie and a couple other families said, hey, would you be our pastor? I said, no. God said, yes. I said, oh, hell no. Rebel Todd, you Rebel Todd, it's not too late for second chances. And I say this not in a bragging way, but in a humble way to say, you know what, when I said, God, here I am, use me. When I surrendered and said, God, here I am, use me. When I humbly fell on my knees 
with my arms open wide, and I said, God, here I am. I surrender. My wife's been on a journey. I've been on a journey. We're both on this journey together, and it's been an amazing journey of 16 years. We're all sinners saved by grace. But church, I want you to know that God is a God of second chances, and it's not too late. Even though you might be running and God's calling you, you need to just let go and let God. Because it's not too late for the rebel Todd. And if it's not too late for the rebel Todd, it's not too late for you. So I surrendered, and God just, right after that, we started service on, on Leslie's deck, and it was just bam, 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 to the YMCA, to the Court Culture Center in Cuyahoga Falls, right over to the Riverside Drive, to a guy who said, you'll never get in this church building. And I said, you know who my God is? And he said, I know who your God is. I said, do you know who I am? He said, no, I don't know who you are. But I said, I'm a big deal, and I'm a child of the Most High God, because I'm a winner, not a whiner. I'm a vic- victor, not a victim. Do you understand all this? Okay, now we're going to get in this building, and God's going to make things happen, because we have favor from God. That's God. Now, God needed somebody to give the message to those in Nineveh. And I needed to tell that 80-year-old real estate agent that we don't have the money. And he goes, if you don't have the money, you don't get the property. But I said, my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills and owns all the whale in the sea. I already know because I was in the belly of the whale. I was there. So, let's make this real. God gave us that church. And God gave us a property right here in Talmadge, Ohio. And I'm here to tell you today we have a board meeting. And I had a deacon and trustee meeting. And the front of this sanctuary is going to go out that direction. The fellowship hall is going to go out that direction. Hallelujah. Amen. The bank has all of the little things on a little tiny flash drive from our treasurer. And we're working on things right now. And uh, so God's going to work, work all things out. Listen, we just went through a pandemic, right? Churches have fallen away. They've rebelled. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer of this. Listen, we've lost our way. We've lost our marbles. Some churches are in the belly of the well. They're, I just had a pastor tell me, yeah, we're not going to have church until January. I want to tell him, you want to go on a tour up to Canada? You want to know what it's like to be sheltered in place? I don't know, but I'm not comfortable in the belly of the whale because it stinks there. And I know as I look around this sanctuary, we need Jesus, don't we? Amen. This city needs Jesus. We've got to bring Jesus back to the church. We've got to bring Jesus back to the community. We need to set our sights on Christ. We need to keep our focus. Listen, we need to keep going by faith. I didn't have any money back then. I don't have any money now. But we're going to build, we're going to grow, and God's going to give the increase. Because He said, go to Nineveh. And He told us to go to Talmadge. So here we are in Talmadge, Ohio. And God is going to do something. God is working. I feel His presence right now. I know He's in this place. What are we doing? Listen, man will disappoint you. I'm going to disappoint you as your pastor. But don't shake your fist to God. I'm a sinner. But I'm saved by His grace. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I'm, I have a God of second chances that it's not too late to continue to keep doing His work. Man, listen, I had the great opportunity to tell a pastor on my sidewalk this past week, y'all need to get back to church. He looked at me kind of strange and weird. But that's all right. He has a responsibility. But maybe God's taken him on his journey. I know what God did to me. 
And I knew what it, it took me on. So I just tell you, I, I want to just make it real personal for you. I don't want you to have to go through a place of pain. I want you to have a breakthrough. What have you been doing for him? Is your agenda so full that you have no time for God? Are you so busy that you just don't have any time for God? Is he so far down on your list of priorities, you don't have time for God? Well, I just told you about a young man, a prophet nonetheless, who said, I just don't have time for you, nor those people up the street, which was, as we know, a three-day journey. We have a responsibility. May passed away, used to sit right back where Leslie's at. You know, last Saturday, as, as I performed the, the service for Cody and Victoria, and I was going to be done, but I'll share this with you. As I was performing the service, I looked over right to my left, and May had had her hair done, and it was blonde, and she looked beautiful. And, you know, and I was standing up there doing the, the service and uh, officiating it, and I thought, oh, I just want to tell her, you know, oh, you look awesome today. You know, because of the pandemic, and, you know, everybody just, we were, it's just distant for, for everybody, so it was great to see her. But who would have thought that when Monday morning came around and Sandy went in to wake up her mom that she wouldn't be here? So the funeral's already over. Her life is over. God took her home. Now, she's in a much greater place because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And that's why we serve Him. But it's our loss. Our loss is heaven's gain. So church, where's your heart? Time's fleeting. It's flying by. I was at a wedding yesterday. And I looked at the dad and I said, isn't it amazing your daughter's getting married? Or has gotten married. He's like, yeah, isn't it crazy? Time's fleeting and time is flying. What is done for Christ will last. But what is done on this earth shall pass. Will you give your heart back to Jesus? I'm not, this isn't my cry to a church that says, do you know Jesus as Savior? Or would you give him your heart back? Would you say, God, here I am. I want to be part of a community much like ours. And if this is where God brings you, that's fine. If not, get plugged in where, where you're at. But just say, God, I, I just want to serve you. There's nothing greater. Because I'll tell you, when you're a pastor and you stand before a lot of people who've passed away, you'll then start to say, God, all I want is you. All I need is you. I just want to serve you and love you, and I want people to see Jesus in my life. We can only do that if we're surrendered. And now, Jonah found that t-shirt, and he said, Jesus is my anchor. He knew that his responsibility that he had. Do you know what privileges and pleasures and responsibility you have as his children? Let's rise to our feet as we pray. God, we love you, and we thank you that today we come before you saying that you're a God of second chances. God, I just pray that for those that are in here, that, Lord, maybe they have felt like they just haven't surrendered. Maybe they put things not in place where they should be, but, God, I pray that you'll help them to realign their life up with you. Man, there's nothing greater than being able to serve you and to see the joy of others. You said if 
my people would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. God, you healed that land in Nineveh. You heard the cry of the people. And great revival took place. So God, we cry out to you. And we know who the battle belongs to. It belongs to you. So God, we ask for your grace. We ask for another chance. And Lord, we praise you for the chances that we have. God, thank you for the privilege of having a deep and awesome relationship with you. Encourage us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to read something for you. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain moved. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I'm safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sink through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. You shine in the shadow. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. For every battle belongs to Him. Isn't that amazing? Would you turn your life back over to Christ? Let's sing together. And if you feel like you need to come,